You need a business lawyer you can trust. Michael Palermo is that business lawyer, bringing almost 30 years' experience representing startups to national corporations. If you are looking to start, buy, or sell a business in North Carolina or expand by bringing on new partners, Michael Palermo will represent you with trust, experience, and focus. Call Michael Palermo at 312-671-6453. That's 312-671-6453. Or email palermo at palermolaw.com. And welcome back for more of the Matt Matan Show here on Biz Radio Asheville. And it is time for our Biz Law series with Michael Palermo of the Palermo Business Law Firm. And welcome back, sir. Thank you for having me back. Glad to have you here, and I'm um, glad to be doing this series too. So much good information and so timely because whether you are looking to start a business, or if you recently started a business, or maybe you've been in business for a while and it's good to kind of reassess and look at where you're at and how you're structured, this is a really valuable series we've been doing on, on the whole life cycle of a business and the different legal things to be mindful of during that process. Yeah, the, the slowdown has people thinking, um, just depending on which side of the coin you're on, um, can I get rid of a partner? Should I bring in a new partner to get some money in the business? Um, should I elevate an employee to a, to an owner? Should I get rid of an owner? Um, it, it just depends on your business, which direction you're going over the last couple of six months. Well, in episode one, we talked about starting your business. We looked at how to form a business, the different structures that you can look at, whether it's you know different different types of corporations, LLCs, partnerships, sole proprietorships, um, bylaws, operating agreements, all those kind of things. If people missed it, uh, they can go back and check out the podcast as available of episode one. But on this episode, we're going to be talking about working with other owners. Yeah. Um, so last week was geared more towards somebody just starting a business, a smaller business. But uh, a lot of times, and, and this is what I see a lot, setting up two people businesses. One person is really good at one aspect of the business, but they're not so good at the other aspect. So they bring in someone they've either worked with in the past or someone they were introduced with or just a plain old investor that they met looking for someone who can fill in the blanks. Someone might be great at fixing the cars, but not so good at advertising, marketing, getting, you know, setting appointments, that sort of thing. You know, and, and people in different trades have different fun, like, party topics, you know, like realtors, oh, what's the worst showings experience you had? Or what's the, you know, what's the most interesting thing that's happened at a closing or, or different things? With entrepreneurs, partnerships and working with other owners is usually that topic. <laughs> yeah, especially, especially if... Um, they didn't choose their co-owner right or if if a dominant business partner put someone into an ownership position that maybe shouldn't have been in the ownership position, who maybe should have stayed as an employee or independent contractor or a salesperson. Yeah. Um, a, a lot of this could be headed off at the past by putting everything in writing and also by vetting each other. Mm -hmm. um, the other person might be great at fixing cars, but you just if you just can't get along, if they won't listen, if you don't listen, um, you got to do the vetting at the beginning. Otherwise, it turns into a nasty divorce on the back end. Yeah, absolutely. And and what I've seen where things have ended up nasty is is not so much when things are struggling, but when things get going well. 
when when there's a million dollars on the table, everybody thinks they did all the work. Yeah, yeah. Well, you and when, we, when you talk about how to choose co-owners and things like that, there's a lot of subjective stuff that gets into those conversations and how you discern that from an interpersonal standpoint. But when you're talking about legal standpoints, there are very specific types of um, categories as far as ownership or co-ownership. And so the law can get the subjective side out of it. Let's talk about choosing co-owners first. What what I've found is that the process of bringing someone on board, whether that's co-owner, key employee, uh, star salesman, the process we can actually weed out whether or not this is going to be a good match. Um, what, I've, what I've found in my experience is that um, friends and family don't always make the best choice. Just because they're friends and family, it's hard to actually work with someone that you get along with outside. Um, the better people is someone with a proven record. Maybe you want to find someone who has uh, started a mechanics business and grown it to six or seven bays and then sold it before he moved to Asheville. Uh, or you might want to reward a successful coworker. So just putting some thought into the process and then what role you want that person to play. And like pretty much everything I do, it comes down to decision making, who's making what decisions, and splitting the profits. When when you look at owners getting involved, you mentioned about people investing in the company and everything. Talk, can you talk a little bit about active versus passive investment? Um, it's something that I've dealt with with a, one of my previous businesses. We had different designations as far as investors. Talk about that when it comes to ownership a little bit. So when there's people that own the business, we're talking about either shareholders or members in a limited liability company, shareholders in a corporation. That person might want to show up and work every day and contribute and therefore make the business profitable. Or the person might just want to hand you the money and let you earn them profit on the business. But they, in other words, they trust you to run the business. You just don't necessarily have the money. An active owner, therefore, would be someone who wants to show up and help make the business profitable. And a passive owner would be somebody who's just looking to invest their money and get hopefully a decent return on it. Mm. And, and of course, you know, the most common interaction that people seem to have with these conversations from an entrepreneurial standpoint is shows like Shark Tank, you know, and they, they see the, the give and take and the negotiation back and forth. And sometimes it's just simply, well, how am I going to get my money back? I'm going to give you this money. What do you need it for? How do I get it back? And what's the return rate? Other times, it's like, look, I'm going to be out there helping build this business. I'm going to get it. I'm going to get um, you know distribution points set up and everything. That would be a contrast for people where maybe they've seen that conversation play out between active investment and a passive investment. Yes, that's a great example. And if, if you know what you're looking for, and if, you know, I've, I've watched Shark Tank and. I can see the dynamic. I can see what the investors are thinking, and I can see what the investees, I guess, the people looking for money, are thinking when they talk about, "I want 20% of your profits," or, um, "You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna join you up with my distribution company." That's all goes to somebody who's actually going to work in the business. Um, and that, that's usually more like someone who's buying equity. They're buying but, shares. But you know what really surprises me, though, and, and I'm, I'm interested what it's like for someone who's in business law and has the experience in the wheelhouse that you do, is how often people get on that show and they have no idea what they're asking for. 
it, it, it stuns me that there are people that would be seeking out investment and there's often times people are in there like they just kind of throw something out there. The valuation is way out of whack or they kind of go like, well, that's why I want you to invest because I don't know what to do. And, and, I'm, and I'm just curious, you know, how, how big the gap is between the reality of business law structure in entrepreneurship and the general entrepreneurial population. Um, that keeping in mind that's a TV show, yeah. <laughs> they're, look, they're, they're looking for um, they're looking for big drama. I actually met some guy when I lived out in Idaho who was on that show, and he told me, um, you know, this it's a full day just to have one one set of of, of uh, solicitors come out looking for money. They're they're there all day, sometimes two days. Oh. Um, what you don't see behind the scenes is they have to put together financials on their business, financials on the individual owners, so that the investors can all study that. They have to put together sales, past mm -hmm. sales, sales forecasts. Um, and, and that's really what you want when you're joining up with someone, someone who's going to take it a little more seriously than just, oh, you know, here's half a million bucks, call me in a year and, you know, pay me back a million dollars. You want whether someone is just going to loan you the money or if they're going to be an owner, you want them to take it seriously and businesslike. And that's actually bouncing back to an earlier point. That's why friends and family don't always make the best choice because, one, they may be afraid to tell you, like, hey, I'll, I'll loan you this money, but I want 10%. Mm -hmm. Just because they don't want to hurt your feelings because your buddy's from college. Right. And by the same token, if they're giving you money, you don't necessarily want to say, look, I, you know, I might lose this hundred thousand. This is a risky business. Right. So, yeah. yeah and there's, there's a lot that goes into it. Uh, more than just, you know, my business is worth a million dollars. That, that's more, more. TV yeah, that's more of the TV. So that's why I was curious on your take on it because, you know, watching it and, and some of the conversations that go on, knowing how much there must be behind the scenes legally, <laughs> you know, no, there's, the, there's, there's ways to kind of rein in those sorts of people who's, the the market will correct those people who think their hundred thousand dollar business is worth a million dollars. Well, and the other no one, will, no one will pay a million dollars for it. Right, and the other thing that gets me is that like they have a great pitch and there's there's an offer or two on the table and everything. We get talking more in depth on the numbers, and then all of a sudden like, oh well, we have other owners. Other owners, what percentage they own? Well, they own forty percent. Whoa! It's like how did how did we get a whoa moment out of that? How was that not known before they walked in there. Yeah, or, that, you know. I, I saw one like that once, and I, I, I couldn't understand how they didn't know that. And it was some crazy number. It was like, we have we have like 70% owners. Uh, yeah, that's crazy. Back. And how did that but, not start or, off at the beginning? <laughs> or Yeah, or we, we've got three outstanding loans already for yeah. $2 million. One, yeah. Well, um, one of the things, and, and you and I have talked about this in the past before, but one of the things that I took advice of an attorney that was helping me um, for a partnership that I had in a business where I was the one putting in the money, the equipment, all the other stuff. The other person had some skill sets that were contributing. And and the reward off of the growth of the company uh, was not tied to permanently owning shares of the company. There was a shareholder agreement. And then as long as different terms were met, then there was the benefit that came from that. As soon as those things stopped being contributed um, because it wasn't real hard money or real hard equipment, it was skill sets. Once the person pulled back those skill sets and no longer contributed, the, the shareholder agreement made sure that they did not hold um, equity in the company any further at that point. So I wanted to make sure when we talk about working with others, 
the shareholder agreement was something I did not understand, but it saved my butt. Sure. <laughs> you know, when it when all of a sudden it became necessary, then I understood why the attorney had me put it in that category for that specific relationship. There, there's a reason why I said that oftentimes the process sort of weeds out what people are trying to do and get, gets rid of people that aren't necessarily sincere. Um, and, and it puts people in line, too. The example I always give is your Uncle Ernie gives you $100,000 for your hot dog stand, and then he wants to show up every afternoon and just talk to people and put on the, the hat with the logo on it. Mm. Does your Uncle Ernie own part of the business? Did he give you a loan? Did, did he pay you so he could intern at your business? So the process of meeting with a business lawyer like myself, I'll ask these questions. Is he loaning you the money? What return is expected? Let's do a loan agreement. Well, I don't know. I don't know if he's loaning me the money. Well, you know what? You got to go ask him. And getting people to talk so that everybody knows their role in this money-making scheme is a lot of what I do. I don't want to say I'm like a, psych a business psychologist, but people don't know what they don't know and not to be insulting this this is what i do if if you want to own part of a business you're going to be a shareholder there's kind of no getting around that mm -hmm. if you want to just lend money to a business there's a whole different set of rights and responsibilities that come with that but also the protection side of it you know going back to the shareholder agreements and talking in that a little bit too it's not only that it clearly defines different roles but it also protects when someone all of a sudden isn't putting that time in that maybe they were going to be putting in or is not um, having the impact or the or the contributions that had been there previously you know because if they're if they're carrying a certain weight with the company and all of a sudden they're not carrying that weight but still wanting the same share of what's coming in on profits or you know k1 distributions or whatever the structure may be going back to last right. week um, it's it's a good protection for an entrepreneur to have that on on the flip side of it too yeah, I sort of glibly joke, you, you can pay me a little bit now to do it right, or you can pay me a lot in two years to fix it. Yeah, right. Um, it's good, true. <laughs> good, good, good agreements make for good partnerships. And I, it's probably a dozen, two dozen times in my almost 30 years, people have called me up and said, hey, you know, I just want to tell you, we had this dispute, and we went back to the documents you drafted for us, and we couldn't believe there was something in those documents that solved our dispute. Yeah. They, you know, gave us a solution or a dispute resolution mechanism, or maybe a buyout mechanism. Mm -hmm. So it's it's real important that everybody knows. And so, you know, don't just sign the documents your lawyer gives you. These aren't these aren't, uh, you know, this isn't like you're signing up for Verizon where you just sort of have to sign it. These are negotiated terms. The documents they're sophisticated, but I try to make them understandable. Um, make make sure you know where everybody stands. Not just you know when you're having a beer. And you decided to come up with the business. Make make sure it's in the documents. Hey, you got to you got to work the business. You got to take night shifts three nights a week. Mm -hmm. um, you need to show up. That sort of thing. And something too that you know it's going to be a specific episode or a couple of them actually in this series that we're doing together. But um, right from the very beginning when we were t last episode when we were talking about starting your business, one of the things that I've heard you echo over and over again in conversations, and I think it's good to remind people in every episode we do, is having your end game in sight while you're in the step you're in. You know, always be thinking from the very start and when you're working with owners and everything, what is your end game? What's your goal? What's your exit strategy? You know, are you going to sell the business? Are you going to hand it off to family? Are you going to have the employees stay with 
you got to have that in mind, you know, and so expand on that a little bit too before we get into things about equity and profits and labor and all that kind of stuff when talking about working with others. In the context of working with other, yeah. others, mm-hmm. it's sort of it's sort of like um, when you get on the airplane and it takes off, you know where it's going to land. It's in three hours. You're you know you're taking a trip to Los Angeles. So when when you're setting up a business, you you should be thinking you know this it can change over time. These aren't immutable words chiseled in stone, but you should know. Hey, you know I want my son to take over the business when he you know turns 30 or I just want to build a business and sell it. I've got a client back in Chicago that he just builds businesses. He doesn't want to run them. Mm-hmm. He just he likes starting businesses and building them up and then he sells them and makes a ton of money and starts with the next endeavor. So setting up the business now, we, you know, we have to know which direction to take off so that we have to know where we're landing so we know which direction to take off and and sometimes it may be um an older person starting a business with a younger person or, you know, I, I need a partner in Seattle because we're going to have multiple locations and Seattle's first on my list. Mm-hmm. Things like that. You, you want, you want to know where you're landing so that you can point the plane in the right direction. Yeah. All right. So let's get into um, the splitting of things. When you look at working with others and having other owners, whether they're active, passive, family member, not family member, what, whatever they may be, um, having conversations about how you split different categories of things. What are some of the things that are important to think about when you bring on people, oftentimes at the front end, I've known a lot of entrepreneurs, they're thinking about how do I get from A to B to C? They're not thinking about, you know, well, what happens when, you know, the equity gets some value to it? What happens when the profits are coming in? What happens when we have to underwrite the labor costs for a while and a downturn in the cash flow? You know, those kind of things. What are what are some categories that people need to be thinking about on the splitting category of conversation? When it comes to a business, the, the whole point is money. Money comes into the business and money goes out of the business. So things like you keep a, keep a track of your expenses, keep track of your labor costs, keep track of your development and advertising costs. Whatever is left is the profit of the business. So you, you have to figure out how do you want to split that profit. Um, and, and this is why sometimes bringing someone on as a, as a partner or a co-owner, co-owner might not be the best way to go. Um, how are you going to split it? Well, I, you know, this guy's in sales. The other guy's doing the repair work. Is it 50-50? Does that make sense? Does who, Who's generating more value for the business? And this is where sometimes, again, friends and family or people you're good friends with, um, they, they can get hurt feelings if you say, look, it's, you know, it's great to work with you, but you're, you're only contributing 10% to this business. So your, your split of the profits is going to be 10%. And by the way, you, you might have to work 30 hours a week at the business. Mm-hmm. Um, it's real important to do that at the beginning. And, and again, I've, I've actually had a lot of businesses that just never got formed because once they have these conversations, people realize, well, I can't work for that kind of money or I can't work with this person. Um, so, yeah, when you talk about corporations, you, um, you share in the profits if you're an owner. When you talk about limited liability companies, it's, they're actually called distributions, but it's the same thing. It's profits. Right. Um, so, the, and again, last week we talked about corporations versus limited liability companies. The, the good thing about LLCs is you can sort of split um, job duties and decision making from profits. They don't, it doesn't have to be a one-to-one ratio like a shareholder of a corporation. Mm-hmm. So there is a lot of flexibility for someone to say, 
um, hey, if you do this, we'll give you this amount of money. But if you don't do that, if you don't meet it, you might not make that profit. It's just almost like they're being hired as a salesperson. Is it also is it also where not only on how you're going to split, you know, the fruits of the labor, but also how you're going to split, you know, the bumps in the road along the way. Cash call. Yeah. Um, I'm setting up a business right now. It's a, it's a real estate company, but part of it is getting the money into the limited liability company. So for example, they buy the property and they start building. Um, if they run out of money, can you force owners to put more money into the business? It's called a cash call. Mm -hmm. um, in other words, we're calling for more cash. And what happens if they can't meet the cash call? Do they lose their previous equity? Um, you know what what happens and this this is all something that has to be discussed uh, and, and part, it, oh, go uh, ahead no continue one one thing that really frustrates me is um, people walk into my office with these downloaded forms or even lawyers just have fallen into this trap where oh here's an LLC agreement I just did a find and replace and I and they're just they're, they're just garbage they don't deal with each each business is unique there's a, obviously a lot of commonality but the real estate business where they're, they're already talking about we might need a cash call is completely different than a, um, the mechanics business where, you know, cash is going to come in as soon as somebody gets the repair done. So mm. cash flow is not going to be a huge problem. I, I see a number of people. We've, I've had people contact me that are listeners to Biz Radio Asheville that a year and a half ago they were holding a corporate job, you know, and uh, like a couple of people I know that were pulling six figures as as like an accountant at a corporation or something like that they now own their own gig you know and they've yeah. been retained by the company they used to collect a salary from but they're working from home and they take on some other clients um how how does a situation like that because i know of several listeners that have contacted me that have gone from where they were an employee to where they're kind of doing the same job but from home and working with some other people too they own their own gig um is there anything in this in talking with working with uh, with other people um, when you're transitioning things? It, it, do you have conversations? Is it appropriate for someone to say, okay, if I'm going to own my own job, let's have a conversation about what you carry in obligation in this new company since I'm going from being your employee to being my own business owner? It's, well, it's always appropriate to talk about who's going to make money and how they're going to make the money, and don't, don't ever be afraid to do that. Yeah. Um, yeah, if, the, if they're leaving the company, so a lot, especially with the independent contractors that used to be employees, all of a sudden that independent contractor um, might need equipment, new computers, repair equipment to go out and fix the copy machines, a new car, the, and the company had been paying for that. So now that they're an independent contractor, it, it's appropriate to speak with um, their old company about reimbursement for that sort of thing. Yeah, I, and I think that's good for people to hear because I know, you know, some of the people that have contacted me, like I'm saying, that wasn't even on their radar to have that conversation. Yeah, and and a, a, another example is um, um, I'm trying to remember his name. I'm not going to say it on the air, but he 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 was a software developer, and then he went out on his own. I think he did it voluntarily. He's real good at it, but as a consultant, he still needed to hire employees. So then that we get back to last week's question, should he set up a corporation, an LLC? Should he do independent contractor? Should he bring those employees on as co-owners in the business? You know, he, mm -hmm. he can program in one language, but he needs employees to do the different part of the programming. 
orca lords. Yeah. So this, I, yeah, this this discussion pops up all over the place. Yeah, I, it does. And and I think you know, I, I, of course, we already know what the whole series is going to be. <laughs> you know, but right. out of the entire series, I think this category right here about working with others, um, I, I think through the conversation we've had, people probably get the sense you really need to go ahead and get a one-on-one, -on -one, sit down and actually have the conversation, whether it's virtually or in-person, distanced, however people do that and, and, and makes them feel comfortable. This is a category where, you know, if anything else, the conversation here on the show is to make people aware of how many different things there are to consider and, and to follow up and to have that specific conversation about your own circumstance your, your dispute as a business owner is more likely to be with a co-owner than with anybody else yeah uh, the, the thing about everybody worries about a, a customer walks in and trips and falls well there's insurance for that if they get hurt uh, everybody worries about maybe the client that doesn't pay and you know that's pretty simple you just send a demand letter you sue them if you have to but most of the disputes I've worked on as a business lawyer center around employee employee owners uh, breaking up with each other business divorces mm -hmm. and a lot of it is because they didn't plan for dispute resolution for um, allocation of, of duties distribution of profits mm. think of it as a prenup <laughs> prenuptial agreement yeah, yeah. Right. And and for the business is, world yeah. this, is, this is a lot of what I do um, th this is a big part of my practice is setting up either agreements like this or um, working on succession planning, which I also yeah, which we're going to get to in this series as well. At um, the end. Yeah, and, and so our next episode is going to have to do with financing your business uh, and the legal side of that. You know, the whole financing conversation is a whole series unto itself, but the legal side of financing your business we're going to cover in the next episode. But before then, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you? Of course, if they're listening on the app, they can just go ahead and click over and find you on the Sponsors tab to just cl click through to Palermo Business Law Firm, but uh, what's the best way for uh, people to get in touch with you to schedule or to follow up? Yeah, uh, definitely click over on the app. Um, my email is palermo at palermolaw.com, and then my website is palermolaw.com. And you, you go to the website, and it'll tell you a lot of the different things I can do for your business. There's drop-down menus for – I've worked in just about every type of profession. Um, you know, I've represented – the plumbers, people who make cupcakes for a living, chemical companies, transportation companies. So you can kind of see what I've done in the past. And then there's a contact me button or you can just email me directly. Yeah, very good. And for folks that may be listening on the station streaming or on podcasts or anything, uh, you can pick up the app for free. Just text the word Asheville to 36260. That's Asheville to 36260. It really is the easiest way to navigate through. And if you catch it on the live stream and you missed other stuff in the series, just click over to shows and you can find your way to the podcast there. So, uh, Michael, thank you. As always, I look forward to the next conversation in the series. You're welcome. Next week is financing your business. What are the documents going to look like? Very good. All right, and, uh, and stick around, everybody. More conversation is always coming up next right here on Biz Radio Asheville.